0: and welcome to episode 27 of the M&M podcast. This is uh, Michael Gallagher, Program Director of the MSC in Digital Education. And as always, I am joined by uh, Miles Blaney.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Miles Blaney. I'm a Service Manager in Digital Learning Applications and Media and Learning Teaching Web and Information
0: Services at the University of Edinburgh. And we're lucky enough to be joined by uh, Tracy Madden. Tracy, could you possibly uh, introduce yourself?
2: Oh, thank you for inviting me. Um, sure. I'm Tracy Madden. I'm a learning technology advisor in educational design and engagement within information services.
0: Excellent. Thanks so much, Tracy, for joining us today and this, this wonderful thing talking today about uh, uh, accessibility and learning technology. And I think uh, real quickly, again, since our hi- coming back from our hiatus, we've been looking at some different thematic kind of approaches to the podcast. And Tracy fits alongside like several of those themes, to be perfectly honest, accessibility clearly being one of those. So over to you, Miles.
1: Yeah. So I think um, the topic of accessibility, um, we should be talking, well, we're talking, it's it's such a wide ranging topic. And um, so we're talking primarily about accessibility of digital learning technology in the podcast. Um, However, accessibility covers everything from uh, accessing your physical workspace um, to the technology used to, to manage your, to And I think during this, this conversation, we will just um, uh, talk about the digital and the physical as well. Um, but from the accessibility overview, um, what we're talking about on, on what defining accessibility, which is massive. Um, but I've got a wee description here that I shared with everybody and I just want to talk about that. So accessibility means that people can do what they need to do in a similar amount of time and effort. as someone. That, does not have a disability. It means that people are empowered and can be independent and will not be frustrated by something that is poorly designed or implemented. So, um, and as in our rules we all touch accessibility um, in different points uh, through teaching and through support. So, but firstly, do we all agree with that kind of um, definition? Is there anything else that we all want to add? And I think, and I know Tracy's here, but as I say, this conversation is, probably really useful for us all to be involved.
0: Does everybody agree with that then? After you, Tracy, I don't I I can jump in if you want, but
2: okay, I mean I don't fundamentally disagree with it and I know lots of people will have and need their own definition of accessibility. It's one of those words that is very much about your context and I always say I'm a generalist. I'm not an accessibility expert even though I've been involved with accessibility one way or another for a very long time, I feel I'm just somebody who is trying to be more accessible um, and help other people to be more accessible, but then I need to define that word. Mm -hmm. So I think there's much in this definition that I really like, Mm -hmm. Um, the the idea of time and effort uh, not being extra, but however, there's one or two things maybe it's worth pointing out. I see the word need there. Uh, It says need, but Mm -hmm. are we only concerned with what people need? Who defines what people need? What about what people want? It can end up as quite a utilitarian um, definition that you get what you need, but no more. And it's not thinking about the, the fuller things that people need access to yeah Uh, so yes i think it's obviously needs come first but i'd like to think about who defines needs because somebody will define how accessible something is and does that person know what are needs and do as i say do they make a decision about well you don't need this so it's less important if you can't get access to it
1: and it's even and, and and see there we're talking about needs and wants it's even um How do people know what people do need or want, you know, as well as as I think of, you know, from the digital technology perspective, and people that create content or or build um, software, you know, they're building it from their perspective, and it's a visibility to understand accessibility requirements or or people's needs. And and like you say, are we just creating software that meets this bare minimum kind of tick box And is there an ongoing conversation with those audiences?
2: I think this is very important from the side of um, design and who is in the design team. Mm. And we know typically it's going to be certain types of people, Mm. and certain types of people won't be at the table. And I don't believe, I'm going to exercise charity and believe people have other people's interests in mind. But if you only have your own life experience, so, if your design team is able, above average education, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's not surprising that they'll come out with something that addresses the needs of the people that they know and understand and themselves. We need to get a much more diverse design team that really understand what needs and wants are, who understand who users are. But too often we have one user group designing for really quite an unknown user group and then really surprised that it only addresses the needs of certain people
1: it's do you know what again so this this is for me my my, my father's wears blind and it's um and i've been dealing with a an issue with his bank because i've released a software update for how they deal with um his accounts and you have to do it via online banking only so my dad's is registered blind and he's dyslexic. So he can't use the technology. And I and I phoned up the bank and I asked them about this kind of scenario and they were aghast by it. They never even thought about this scenario. So having that kind of like you say in there, the people that are designing this and the people that are signing it off as well, and all the other people that get the check and balance it and say, Yes, that's fine for release, that you know, I think there is a bit of a gap. Inclusivity for people sitting within those kind of design areas, yeah, yeah. develop areas, are are yeah, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, jump, jumping on that, Miles and Tracy too. I think I think the design thing really gets to the heart of the issue too, and like meaningful diversity. So what what are we doing with diversity, and uh, uh, in a meaningful way? So it's above and beyond uh, uh, what do we would call it? like an ethical, uh, you know, imperative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's actually a design design necessity, right? To to account. For the use cases, at the very least, that you might be overlooking, which you would naturally overlook, I think you you are you are ultimately designing for a particular audience in your head, and I think it's impossible to do that without that sense of uh, uh, diversity in your design teams, and also having that uh, that connection to the spaces in which it will be implemented. So, for a lot of these educational technologies, I think there's a disconnect, often not always, but there's a disconnect between. The context in which it is created and the context in which it's going to be implemented is going to be used in an educational context. So I think there's there's a disconnect there, I think, between what does accessibility look like in this context, but beyond a design kind of uh, beyond the design context. And going back to what, Tracy, what you were saying, I think it was really important as well. It's like moving beyond this idea of need. Like, you're right. It's like who's, who's defining need? That's not mm-hmm. even... Need is one thing. It's the, it's the ultimate, uh, what we call baseline for satisfying a particular set of criteria. That's okay. That's fine. That's a learning outcome, perhaps, or something along those lines. But that's, is that the purpose? Is that the ethos of education? And I would argue, as a teacher, n- no. I mean, it's beyond that. It's, it's about self-realization, self-actualization, want, you know, or aspiration. Uh, and I think the second part of that does capture a little bit of that with the empowered The mention of the term "empowered" there, which I thought was, yeah, that's, you know, that's, you know, it's good to see, I suppose. But yeah, moving beyond that need, I think, is really important.
1: Yeah, it's it's massive in a way, but I think the need and one thing is really a really great way to think about it as well. So, um, okay, so we have a kind of overview of and definition of what we're talking about for accessibility, but because we all work in institution in different areas. I thought it would be interesting to talk about um, how do we see and apply accessibility in our own roles um, and I think this is something that um, we can all individually talk about. Um, so so Tracy, do you want to kick us off?
2: Yes, I sort of picked up uh, accessibility uh, projects when I first got into my job. As I say, it's not in my job title but I had some previous experience and Although, as I was told, it's always a shared responsibility. Sometimes you have to kick things off. Uh, I've been behind um, training and other kinds of resources that might help people. And I'm also trying to be a living example of Mm. what I'm suggesting people do. I would say it is hard. It's hard to get things right, to remember everything, what one should do this is what I aim to do. I also try to keep things simple. And if I'm gonna give lived lived practice of being accessible to, to keep it simple and understandable to other people. So straight away, people can see what I'm doing and say, I could do that. That's required no technical knowledge, no extra software that was just using what was there. I also have to exercise again, that feeling that most people are are good people. They want good things for other people. They may be being inaccessible, and it's probably due to lack of time or just ignorance of what they might do. So to be very careful not to be seen to criticise people, but to offer opportunities.
1: No, that's great. And I think it's one of the things you talked about there, about being, um, you know, about, about being clear practical and you know design a resource i think that's probably something that all, all three of us might raise during this um
0: michael do you want to talk about how use accessibility in your role Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's uh, I would probably be working in much the same kind of genre as, as uh, context as uh, Tracy there, to be honest with you. It's, uh, I think I'm just seeing it through the teacher's lens, but I work a lot with you also. my I, I do have a particular bias, obviously. I <laughs> I know the work you do and I try to to disseminate that further. I try at least I don't know if I'm successful at all, but I try to disseminate what you the work you're doing and bring it into my own teaching and 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 make that a part of the conversation around what teaching practice is. At the same time, too, I find that uh, the accessibility thing, I think it's interpreted by a lot. And this is just this is just just without evidence in front of me. But it's sort of interpreted by a lot of teaching staff as being from time to time as being an add on or as being an issue of compliance or it's an issue of uh, uh, and perhaps maybe that's okay. Reaching, you know, like this bare minimum of 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 accessibility as defined in a particular kind of statute or uh, way of seeing it. And accessibility is a big, it's a big topic. It's a big topic. So making it accessible, I think, according to that definition, you advanced Miles, I think Mm -hmm. is partly about, um, uh, it's also about opening like the possibility of a multitude of approaches uh, for one particular group or cohort of students, uh, according to an equitable approach, perhaps. Mm -hmm allowing them to succeed in the way they want to succeed. Uh, Now, granted, that is, you know, it's an, that's nice to say, but it's an incredible issue of time and resource and things of that nature. But, you know, offering a multitude of, of opportunity uh, according to like, like Tracy said earlier about the wants as opposed to the need. So I sort of see it in that working end of that, like uh, the working. end. I'm like, I'm trying to provide like a little bit uh, that might account for the broad sweep of the student cohort without, necessarily normalizing it into one approach if that makes sense but it's a real tough tension to sort of maintain i won't lie and and see and see when we're talking about need again and this
1: is like for 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 all of us is like is compliance just a basic need saying that we need to meet that compliance is and that's our fault saying this is compliance this is what we need to meet we've met it tick do we feel like that's um you know that's happening or do you think that we as an institution go above and beyond i
2: i I think individuals can feel like they are already stressed to the max and Mm. this is another thing that's being handed to them without the means to make it real if they are already stressed and stretched and you're asking them to do something that they don't know how to do yet where's the time yeah. to engage with us to get training to get support to talk to people to try it out to fail and try mm. again and get mm. it better and i think a lot of those things aren't there and therefore we need i know you know we're going to talk about what we what we would really like well mm-hmm. i think we have to if we want teaching staff and other staff to do more of this we've got to give them the means by which they can do that
0: mm. It's so a really. That's I, I. would just. I was nodding my head the whole time, but obviously it's a podcast. Nobody can see that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I would actually just reiterate everything Tracy's saying. There's like I think we do a, a pretty good job uh, on on in some parts of this of this accessibility issue at the university. I mean, people like yourself, Tracy, like in the work you're doing. Now, how do we surface all of that? How do we make that operational? How do we give that space and 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 opportunity? Like you said, that's the hardest part. Like that's real hard to do because there is no existing mechanism for that kind of thing. You're not really you're not really uh, offset time to sort of pursue these things for your teaching in a way you, you might want to to engage with it. But if you start to see the accessibility as almost as pedagogy, then it becomes a little bit easier, but you still need the time and space to sort of pursue that. I was going to say, because I think,
1: um, I don't know who said it, but, it, you know, it's that thing at the end. Do you know what I mean? It's that thing you've got to say, oh, I've got to make sure this is accessible, for a look at accessibility. And it's I feel like sometimes it's, like, for me, I would say that sometimes when I see client, uh, vendors, we say accessibility is this thing at the end that they will make sure that they've done certain things to make sure that they seem to pass regulations, Um, but it's not built in. And like going back to what we said earlier on about the design that, you know, when things are being created, whether there's that inclusivity for people with accessibility requirements are sitting there saying, this is what you should be building it for to make it, like we said, you know, um, anybody can use it. And it's not even just like, it's, it's, it's so daft thinking about how this can be excluded from design where if you say right now okay my mouse is dead can I navigate this web page do you know what I mean can I use can I mm. key my way through it it's, just, yeah. it's something so basic yeah. as that you know yeah. what I mean But people say that's accessibility and you kind of go that's really practical do you know what I mean is. That that yeah. should just be core universal design which is yeah. Omitted so many times, you kind of go. Well, I just can't navigate this page.
2: Yeah, which is you've you've named it universal design, which is why I hang my work on that as much as anything because I think it gives you a framework to try and understand designing for people. Mm. And I think that was um, not rocket science to say. Let's stop designing for able-bodied people and then mm. make a version for disabled people let's start just designing for people because there is no there's no dichotomy um we have good days and bad days and some days when as you say you don't have your mouse or your mouse dies
1: Mm.
2: how are you going to cope and this idea that that we're two groups and we can and People who are, quote, unquote, disabled, which I, I, would, I don't like the medical model of disability anyway, mm. that the disability is in the person. I don't mm. think that's the case. It's, it suggests that everybody in that camp can be served by one offering, um, which is a really appalling way of thinking about people. So, yes, I think we need to think about universal design, of thinking design for people. People are various one of the principles of universal design is allowing for error because people make errors and they forget to bring their mouse or they click the wrong button this is incredibly human and yet this is something about design that i seem seems to be missed out all the time design that seems to think we're all perfectly functioning and get things right first time or second time Uh, and that seems it's not even disregarding um a user group like people with dyslexia Mm. it seems to forgotten what human beings are
1: like
0: yeah yeah i think that's that's a really good point you know and that universal design how it lines up tracy the idea of error how it lines up with the messiness of the education of 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 the system of education that we're sort of pursuing rather than this kind of we can iron out all the quote unquote inefficiencies and all the inconsistencies in the educational process, rather than keep it inherently a messy kind of, I don't know, a a messy sort of context where that error produces good educational dividends at the end of it. I think that's 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 a really important point, I think, to have. And I think just going back a wee bit to the idea of what we're talking about, a checklist and how we sort of associate that you know, uh, uh, check, check, uh, t- you know, ticking, uh, ticking the checkbox exercise as being inherently a negative. I will say from like, from a teaching perspective, oh, please give me a checklist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, please give me a checklist and I'll, I'll do that. And then I'll want to go beyond it. You know, you'll, you'll try to reinvent what's on top of it, uh, with, you know, with your own approaches, but at the very least you're like, oh, at the very least I've, satisfy some 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 yeah. basic basic yeah. requirements D- it, yeah. it's helpful it's reassuring yeah. i think for a teacher yeah
2: one of my colleagues says that checklists are how planes get off the ground <laughs> safely yeah. okay yeah you're right <laughs> yeah, yeah right
1: <laughs> but do you know do you, is not not coming back to like what you said again about being clear and practical a checklist is believing practical do you know what i mean and i think it's um but it's that it's is it not Michael, in a way, you know, it's, it, I feel with the amount of digital, like even you think about the pivot, the change that's happened, the adoption that's had to happen, the, the amount of training people had to get trained up and, and be confident using certain tools. And then you're like, well, for accessibility, I'm like, I'm thinking, period of captions right now, because I've been embedded in captions and in media content for a while. I mean, if you're looking at um, captions and how we, Apply captions and and the resource required potentially for academics to review captions as well is do you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of there's potentially a lot of extra work that comes in to that and it's a resource burden for academics.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. The caption one is an interesting because it's sort of at the working end of a lot of this uh, a lot of this discussion, I think, and because it's on the surface of it seems like something rather innocuous innocuous. But in, in actuality, it's very contentious. There's a lot going on there, not only with the technology and the comp- and the accessibility, mm-hmm. but like you said, Miles, like the workload and 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 it's almost at what point does that become a law of diminishing returns? And and in terms of you know correcting each and everything that might be in a transcript, so it's a it's it's tough. That's that's a tough one yeah. uh, to sort of uh, square in your own head. I think a, as a teacher. So you had said, Miles, it was something like roughly like ninety two percent, depending on. Depending on the voice involved, depending
1: yeah, on... yeah, it's well, it depends on the, on the tool that you're using. So yeah. it can vary. It can vary pretty badly to up to sure. the best I've seen is ninety six. But depends on you know, you know, um, tons of things. Like uh, I think you, we we talked to them before we started recording about the environment that you're in. The if the window's open, extra noise being picked up, accents. If you try and caption this podcast right now, I guarantee you, Michael, it loves you. It will, like Tracy, well, it
0: hits me because I it just yeah. doesn't. Well, not
1: like, yeah. that accents don't work on automated captioning. Tools.
0: Well, I think we know that empirically, Miles, because we do we do the automated tra- uh, tra- captioning on this, and I'm yeah. like, what is what is the gobbledygook that's coming out of Miles's that's mouth on that yeah. transcript? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not
1: I don't even know what you're you. saying. <laughs> yeah
0: but it's it's
1: crazy yeah so yeah I, but, I, but there again
2: we're, we're looking at privilege you know we mm. as you say michael i've i've um uh, done a transcript of your voice and i know yes indeed the system loves your voice i watch, <laughs> I watch my captions it's pretty good with me too but that's privilege that's yeah, not is, an, yeah. that's not an accident yeah that's that's a reason behind that Absolutely. And, and again, I'm. I'm just. We're just being lucky. But again, we should go back to, how did we end up like this? Yeah. How how do we end up with something that means that, Miles? Would you ever be thinking of? Well, I'm going to have to fake my accent and and speak posh or whatever it is yeah. in order to fit in. And there is a certain amount of that fitting in with the system. Is it telling you you're wrong? And that's awful.
0: It yeah. is. It, it is. And that, that is the implicit, that's the implicit takeaway, I think, for a lot. It's like that hidden agenda, uh, the hidden curriculum of, of higher education is a lot of these things where you're kind of implicitly told that you're incorrect in the way yeah. that you speak, or it's an inability to pick up your, yeah. what you're saying or any of these things. So you're yeah. just not aware of a particular process yeah. or vernacular or all of these things.
1: Yeah.
2: Watch a left-hander in a right-handed word and left yeah. being left-handed yeah, yeah, yeah. is not a disability and not that uncommon, but mm-hmm. you watch left-handers struggle to this day.
0: Yeah. I, I speak. Yeah. Any, are, are, are any left-handers on the call? No. no I am. No. Oh. Even the way you said that, Tracy, you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the, I love the, oh, oh.
1: (laughs) but it is, if you think, and if you come back to this, you know, um, automated captioning and, you know, the kind of, all the the promotion about how they'll improve accessibility and things like that, and you're like, well, it's kind of, if you think about it, 92% is still one word in 10, do you know what I mean, in a sentence, Mm -hmm. so that one word could be a key word. (laughs)
0: Sure, that's that's not being picked yeah. up, and it often yeah. it often is. I think if it's a very specific, uh, how do you say, a very disciplinary specific mm. word, if yes. it's a key, key term, it's not going to pick that up necessarily, mm. it's, and that that could be a really critical crux of the larger mm. argument that you're trying to get across. So you do have a responsibility to go back and correct yeah. that. But this, I, uh, I would think. But this, it, sorry, Tracy, go ahead.
2: Sorry, I was going to say, should we think though that as we re- we go back to the campus that this. The, the, the underlying issue is the same. How how do we make ourselves heard and understood? So mm-hmm. if you're in a room, do you think about how you project, how you use your voice, that lip readers can see you, that you use the microphone and place it properly um, near your yeah. mouth but not too close? So actually, we will go back to a very similar situation where there may be many students who cannot hear us, uh, cannot detect everything we say. Um, so we need to think about, it's not going to change when we go back to the
0: campus. It's um, a good, it's a good point. I think we were talking a little bit off, off, uh, off the recording earlier about the fact that the physical campus itself is not this bastion of accessibility or anything no. like that. No. Yeah. We need to, hopefully there's a heightened awareness of how this worked in this sort of period that we might carry back with us, but you know, we'll wait and see. We'll, yeah.
2: we'll, we'll wait, and
0: see. Yeah. <laughs> wait and see. That was
1: the best I could come up with at that know It's like we talked about prior, and I think we can talk about it here. It's saying, you know, it's that these 18 months have been a massive learning curve and that an opportunity to change and evolve. And I think, Tracy, you said about the leveling up of content as well and, and maybe forcing some changes to make content more accessible and more available. And hopefully those changes aren't lost as we revert. Um, we would hope, yeah.
2: Certainly, um, I mean, I, I know from um, helping on the, uh, the Edinburgh Model of Online Teaching course, seeing staff who engaged with it, who may have had maybe sometimes a surprising lack of experience of using learning technology, although mm. they've been teaching for some time, take these new things on, find out they really don't know very much, make a surprising amount mm. of progress very quickly mm. just by having a go and getting some support. I I found that really very hopeful.
0: Me too. You know, actually, it was interesting that you mentioned the the course. I don't think we've ever actually talked about it on this podcast, to be honest with you, but it was a course we ran. Uh, Tracy and I were working on together along with other tutors from across the university, and we, did, we taught – you know, more roughly, quote unquote, taught. I mean, there were about 600 or so participants over the course of the summer. And th- we were talking a little bit about earlier, Tracy, you were you saying, you know, the need to create space for people to experiment and fail. I, that was the takeaway I had for that course as well that could be applied to other spaces. It was just the dedicated time yeah. for people to experiment and dabble and yeah. think and reflect and just come back a little, hopefully a little bit stronger. And I thought, well, that's the model. Yeah. Like, aside from the pedagogy and the teaching and the contact care, all that stuff we were actually teaching, the model is, here's a safe space to experiment. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, and it, it was great. People were blogging for the first time, you know, saying, mm. can anybody read this? Who can read this? Yeah. Um, uh, you, can anybody, you know, reply to this? Somebody say hello to me. And then in a couple of weeks, it's like they've always done it. But, yes, it was, it was a safe, safe space, and I really salute those people who turned up. Me too. Put their time in and expose their lack of knowledge I uh, agree. to us so that we could we could help them.
0: I think there's yeah, there's a nice parallel to the accessibility discussion as well. It's just like you putting yourself out there recognizing that I don't know, I am a novice mm-hmm. and I would like to learn, learn. It's not a position a lot of these academics might find very comfortable because they're used to being the people that know. At least they're they're part of the you know, they're part of the, of the, of the play field. They, they know that space. And so to say, I don't know, I think is, uh, the act of humility, I think produces great learning, but learning you, outcomes. Do,
1: do you feel like maybe also that there's like, you're, you're talking there about a safe space, but actually in live teaching or what, you know, when academics are teaching and the the semesters rumbling on, you know, do they have the opportunity to feel with accessibility? You know, is that a practical thing that is they can do, or is that why there's maybe heightened tensions, maybe for academics or around? Um... Well, I don't
0: think. Yeah, it's a good question, Miles. It's really good. I think it goes a little bit back to Tracy's uh, discussion of universal design as mm. well. It's like, yes, there is room for it for sure, but failure is not a word that I don't think a lot of people in a teaching scenario would feel you know incredibly comfortable yeah incredibly comfortable with but that's what it is i mean Mm. that's the basis of all good pedagogy i mean going back to vygotsky and like the zone of proximal development you're you're you create a scaffolded space Mm. where people can fail but they're not going to fail so miserably that they detach altogether Mm. so you're creating that space for that i think design gets at that a little bit so i think there is some room for that in accessibility
2: and maybe for some staff recognizing this is quite complex and that. When they say, isn't there some office or person who will do this for me, it's yeah. not laziness, but simply somebody surely must know what to do because I, I don't think it's me. I, I'm not quite sure I'm up to this challenge and I do not want to get it wrong.
0: Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good point. And I think that's the overall discussion really about accessibility and all these issues. and 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 in another case, like ethics and all these things. I think it's it's beyond any one person. I think you probably know more than any person I've ever met, Tracy, on this subject matter. But, you know, it is a collab it has to be a collaborative effort across the university. Like where is that one person yes. that knows all these things? They might not exist. You know, they probably don't exist. It's probably a collection of people with expertise in very particular spaces. Uh, And I
2: wonder if academics might have felt that they are being challenged as individuals to do this. Mm. And I do know that actually, I've talked to a group at Murray House, who are getting together and saying, really, this needs to be a collective effort at a school level, perhaps maybe at a college level. We need to we need to work together on this because we can't do it alone. And it would be possibly a lot of wasted effort too.
1: And, yeah, I agree. And do it's you think? Point. And do you think? it's sometimes that like because Tracy, you and I work in, in central IS, okay? And do you feel like sometimes that if if schools do come together and there is, you know, a more of a focus on accessibility, there's a this kind of to be more of a focus then on the technology. And I... I sorry. Go ahead.
2: So I was going to say, I mean, as I try to get across, um, when I I do an introduction to university design, that technology could be terribly enabling, Uh, it could also be disabling, because it's not the technology at the end of the day. So yes, people are trying to engage with this. So we may have things, if we know what they want to do, we may be able to say, yes, actually, technology could help you do that. But to think about how you use it, uh, and, and that's how we may be able to support them. Interesting.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I was going to ask you something similar. I think Tracy, what, does do you and, and Miles yourself as well, because you are both centrally located. Do you think this dynamic for you would change if you were attached to a particular school, or do you think your vantage point uh, in this central space is is a beneficial one? I mean, you, if you know what I mean, is is it too contextually specific to be embedded in the school kind of thing or do you see this as better to be in the central kind of space where you're able to apply you know these universal design kind of measures into a, like a broader conversation
1: for, for me i would say that um because i, I deal more with the compliance side okay i'm um, looking at the technology side of it and, and maybe thinking ahead
0: um mm, yeah, I, okay. me
1: having this kind of non-school based view gives me the overview because I can look at other institutions as well and see what they're doing and um, and try and think about what we should be doing in the next two or three years. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's it's good because I for me personally, like I've said captioning already, you know, when I look at the, the issues with, with automated captioning right now and um, the focus that has been brought on with um, regulations coming into place. So what we're trying to do now is think two, three years ahead where we should be, where automated captioning is the best it can be for the experience across multiple platforms. And um, what we need to do, like that scaffolding around it to make sure that um, the adoption of it isn't, people are confident with it. They can do it. It's clear. You know, it's good design and it's practical as well,
0: which is, yeah, which is complicated. Interesting. Tristan, what about you? Do you think, you better served in the central kind of space or I think
2: I think I've got to keep things incredibly general, um, Mm. for a very diverse university. Mm, And actually, I think there's a, there's a point where you could take that generic advice and you do need to think about, well, what does that mean in our school? Because the teaching methods, um, the, uh, type of uh the size of uh cohorts the type of resources um all of this whether you're in a lab or you're doing field work or you're working in a studio or you're mostly in the library Mm. uh, that's going to make a big impact on so what does accessibility mean to you Uh, Mm. right down to how how does one normally be assessed in this subject so i think there is discipline specificity in this uh, very much i would not like uh, individual disciplines not lot to learn from one another. But yes, I do think individual disciplines do have a, a, a layer of um, interpretation, I think, to put on this to say, okay, what of this can we take? What of this is
0: useful to us? That's really interesting. Miles, I'm kind of aware of the fact we're kind of approaching time here and we haven't gotten to half our question yet. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we should
1: ask the last question. Okay. So... And, and I think, because you know, the last question is, what would your dream scenario for accessibility adoption yeah, in university be? Yeah, what, what
0: what would you want from this, Tracy?
2: I think back to what I said about I'd I'd like it there to be whatever it is, time, space to engage with this subject, so people can not have to take it on in a crisis mode of oh, apparently we've got to make this accessible. You know, mm. what can we do at the last minute? So they have proper design time and can think about it from the very start, if they're going to be using, say, video or audio as uh, in part of their teaching, to know that, well, of course, I would want to make it accessible. That's going to take time and money. So therefore, I need to figure that into my design time and my budget. So it just becomes not a problem at the end, but just part of the design and less, um, less of a problem. And I suppose the other thing I'd like is as to stop thinking of yeah, being different different groups and to think we're people and we change and some of us become disabled or have times when effectively we are disabled. So to stop thinking of ourselves in, in a particular group and start thinking of ourselves as the university.
0: Yeah. yeah well, that sounds like a good place to to wrap it up. What do you think, Mal?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's grand. I that's think that's perfect. The, I think that's brilliant. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, thanks
0: so much, Tracy, for for taking the time to come and speak with us. It was really appreciated. Thank you. And uh, Miles, should we sign off?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's sign off. All right,
0: that's us at the end of uh, episode 27. Uh, Again, this is Michael Gallagher saying goodbye. And this is Miles Blaney saying goodbye. And uh, thanks, Tracy.
2: Thank you.